Welcome to Culture Score. I'm your host, Ben, and this is Marcus. Culture Score is a podcast at the intersection of black culture and popular culture. We cover film, TV, and music. Today, we're covering Judas and the Black Messiah, and we're very excited. We have Tony Tamby. Um, you've probably seen him in some show. But before we get to introducing Tony to you, um, as his customary, we want to give a shout out to the studio that brought us the movie, HBO Max. And in addition to that, we want to dive in a little bit deeper and recognize the actual studio that did the production and not the distribution, which is HBO Max, which is Macro, Stay with Macro with Charles D. King, the founder. The same studio that brought you Just Mercy, Sorry to Bother You, Mudbound, Roman J. Israel, The Apollo, and many other works of the culture. Um, they've done seven films, two TV shows, nine Oscar nominations, and one win. Um, we're recognizing the writer, Shaka King. But underneath that, we're go- diving a little bit deeper to recognize the Lucas brothers who actually brought this, wrote the original script for this. Your producer, Ryan Coogler, and the leads, Daniel Kalu and Lakeith Stanfield. So do a little bit of an intro of a guest today. Um, this is going to be long, but the brothers earned every piece of it. So bear with us and try to think of where you've seen him, because you've probably seen him somewhere. So Tony Tambi, who's our guest today, is Nigerian-born, Cameroonian-raised, U.S.-based actor and filmmaker. He currently lives in Los Angeles by way of Minnesota with an accounting degree before getting into the arts. He started off in theater and received an NAACP Theater Award nomination for playing the character Monday in The Good Brothers. He was in the critically acclaimed world premiere, Butterflies of Uganda, A Providential Occurrence, The Fair Maid of the West, Sunday Night at the Palace, and Somewhere in the Middle. His first credit on TV was a co-starring role in The Unit followed by other appearances on Scrubs, NCIS Los Angeles, and Nip Talk. He's currently recurring as Chuku Emeka, Chewbacca, if you want to call him that, in Chuck Lorre's CBS hit show, Bob Hart's Abishola. <laughs> as a writer, he's predisposed to tell smart, diverse, and thought-provoking stories that offer a different view from the typical mainstream media of the African immigrant experience. His goal as a filmmaker is to bring in more stories of the African-born American to the big screen. In addition to exploring themes with a point of view of the African perspective. To that end, Tony co-wrote and produced and starred in the film Chapter One which played nationwide at various festivals and aired on PBS as part of the Shorts Showcase Festival. Chapter One spurned Consequences, a web series that you should absolutely watch. I've watched it. The rhythm is insane. Um, The storytelling is tight. The writing is really good. You can watch Consequences, the web series, um, on Amazon Prime um, Season 1. It's a modern-day serialized drama that follows the lives of culturally diverse con artists. He's Season two of Consequences is currently in post-production. You should watch out for that. And as a true Hollywood artist, Tony has many assets, many media assets. 
But if you want to follow Tony on IG and across social media, it's Tony Tamby. So T-O-N-Y-T-A-M-B-I, Tony Tamby. And if you want to follow Consequences, it's Consequences underscore TV across social media. You can also check him out on YouTube. He's put out a lot of good workout on um, YouTube, so you can check him out as well. So on that note, and with me needing to drink some water, welcome to Tony Tamby. Hey, man, that was that was great. I'm excited. I'm glad to be on here. Thank you guys so much for having me, uh, Marcus and uh, Ben. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know I'd done all that stuff. That was a long, uh, a long thing you read there. <laughs> you just, you that was suffered a lot. too much. You <laughs> suffered too much with work. That's your problem. You should enjoy your work sometimes. I, you know what? I think, I think what it is is when you're having fun, you don't realize it's work. I didn't realize I had done that much. So, but I'm happy to be on here today. Looking forward to our conversation. Looking forward to. To do more work. I think it's going to be fun. Marcus, hit him with the synopsis of the movie. All right. Well, again, welcome, Tony. Um, I need to up my game because your bio makes me feel like I need to work out a little bit more. So, <laughs> Or maybe I, another way of handling that is not to have a bio. Just say it's me, Marcus. <laughs> That's it. That's why I always let Ben do the intro and just say, and Marcus. I, li- I like to let him. He's a better hype man than me. Um, nice. So anyway, we nice. today. So, so today we go talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I think the first thing that hits you over the head is it clearly has some biblical overtones with that 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 name and title. Um, basically, Shaka King just created this really wonderful historical drama where Daniel Kaluuya plays the quote unquote radical leader of the Black Panther Party, uh, Fred Hampton. And you got Lakeith Stanfield, who plays the informer William O'Neill. It is just just a really wonderful, like just, you know, looking through a, uh, a lens of just seeing what it was really like, as opposed to what you were told for so long. Uh, we're looking forward to kind of breaking this down for you guys. This, for me, of all the movies that we've discussed this year, this is the one that I have been really looking forward to discussing. So we hope you guys will sit back and enjoy the show and uh, let's delve right into it. So, um, so I, I, I just got to say, I just oh, got to say, you called um, Lakeith Stanfield the informer, a.k.a. rat, a.k.a. snitch. I don't know why you called him informer. That sounds too formal. <laughs> that wasn't well, his I mean, job. He, he, he was a government informer for the FBI. So I, I just gave you strictly the facts. I didn't put in any feelings towards the character. I just said that's that's the actual you know title. He's an informer. I didn't well, give you snitch or nothing because that would mean that I'm telling you how I feel about the character. So I didn't I was going to get into that later on. OK. All right. My bad. You can go on. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. No, you know, no, no. You you didn't got into it. I but that's, said, that's, go that's, ahead. You you see, I love this because you you're already telling us what you think. So let's let's jump right into it. So clearly, what you using the term rat and snitch, this movie <laughs> elicited some very strong feelings from you. So let's that's the first question. Let's let's get started. Like, what what jumped out at you about this film? Film like what feelings just let's arose from you right away from watching this film? I thought it, I thought it's really timely because of what America is dealing with right now. You know, all the questions of race and systemic racism that we're dealing with on levels that haven't been seen since the civil rights movement. So I thought it was a great movie, timely movie, um, performances, amazing. So not just Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield, but Dominic Fishback as well, who played uh, Deborah Johnson. Um, solid performances all around. 
And I also, it was very informative. For me, the best movies are movies that entertain, but also educate. And it was entertaining. And I love the fact that it showed, again, I'm all, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to say this phrase about 50 times today, different perspective. It just showed a different side of the Black Panther Party compared to what we normally know. I love the fact that Fred Hampton was trying to work with the different groups, like, you know, actually creating what they call the the Rainbow Coalition, which is something nobody really talks about. You just, everybody presents the Black Panther, the Black Leather Jackets, the Afros, they were armed, they were dangerous, but like this movie actually shows us a guy trying to get different groups of people to come together, like gangs, Puerto Ricans, even like white people coming together to work for a common cause. I thought that was really cool. No. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, you want to jump in? Do you, you care if I jump in here, Ben? Um, no, you can jump in. I can come after you. I'm the closer. Okay. okay. Oh, the closer. <laughs> all right. So he's I a hype man. The, the, the opening sequence and the close. I'm like, man, he's, he's got all these talents. Um, yeah. But all just aside, you know, when I, when I saw this, I think one of the first things that if I want to talk about feelings, it didn't take very long watching this film to just, you have to feel somewhat sad, like about it. Um, I feel like, I feel like we've been bamboozled, uh, as a nation, as a people, um, because you always see the media equate the Black Panther Party to like the white nationalists, like it's a hate group and it's the antithesis of that. And I think the other thing, and, and, you know, I want to stick to this movie, but we've reviewed a couple of movies over the last couple of weeks and. It reminds me a lot of, of what we were similar to what we were doing one night in Miami. Malcolm X is getting followed by our government and everyone is out to, to say that he's a threat and, and he's a threat to our society. And I felt the same thing with this movie. This movie isn't so much about just the Black Panther Party or, or Fred Hampton or the way that they brought the party down by using this quote unquote informer. It's also about the hypochondriatic ways of J. Edgar Hoover, who was just, you know, hellbent on saying that this party, that the black race was going to be what destroyed America from being America. And as Tony more eloquently stated than I, I, I am doing right now, it's not so different from what we're seeing in today's society. It's like, you know, like this, you know, you rising up saying, I want to have better than what I have now is a threat to the whole. And so for me, that's the feelings that really just, just emanated from me right away. It's just like, wow, like these, these people are doing nothing but trying to uplift their own people. They're not asking for welfare. They're not out here trying to commit crimes. They're trying to uplift their own communities. And you're trying to tear that down because of skin color. That's so, yeah, that was, it was, it was pretty deep for me. I mean, that was one of the first things that just jumped out at me that, you're seeing that constantly in all these historical films. It's the same thing. It's not so much like these are some kind of radical group. It's the U.S. government against progress is what I took from it. So what, I mean, what do you think about that, Ben? So I, I, I wrote down this quote, um, you know, on the internet it says African proverb. We know that's not precise. It's got to be Nigerian or Kenyan or something, right? But let's just go African for the sake of this that says, until lions have their historians, tales of the hunt shall always glorify the hunter. That's right. You know what I mean? So it, it occurred to me that a lot of what we know of the Black Panther and a lot of the narrative of these stories are always told with a different point of view 
Um, so Tony, I'm borrowing from you there. But you know, other than that, and the reason why I was hesitating to give my point of view early in this conversation is I felt like it was gonna derail it because to be honest, this movie did nothing to me, nothing new. And I'll tell you why. So it's like going through, I actually thought of this analogy, like going through a, a store, like the cosmetic section section, and like, you know, getting all these samplers for like colognes and perfumes or whatever. And just, so you get like five and you spray all of them and you don't get the coffee bean to refresh your nose. You end up not smelling anything, right? So this movie to me, I think it just reminded me that I have a lot of trauma because the minute I started watching it, I was tight. Like I couldn't enjoy it. You know, like, yeah, I was just <laughs> so I could not enjoy any part of it because it's like, okay, they're gonna rat him out. He's gonna die at the end, and like so, everything they were doing just felt wrong. So I couldn't enjoy the art. I couldn't enjoy. I actually had to go back and say, Ben, like, just try hard not to think about it and look at the acting and look at the cinematography and think about, you know, the writing and all that. So to that, it was just hard for me to enjoy it because of the trauma. Like my, my palate needs to be reset. Like I need to clean it out and actually allow myself the opportunity for these movies to inform me and impact me and not just bring these other things that I've amassed inside of me and visit with like new stories and new movies and stuff like that. Right. So that's really where I was. That's that's what I am, not where I was with the movie. Were you aware of the story before you watched the movie? Like, did you know about Fred Hampton and uh No, I went and read about it. I read about it. So I I, you know, once the movie came out and the story was pitched. I went and read about it before watching the movie, which to some people they're like, don't tell me about it. You know, don't give me a spoiler. I'm always of the mindset, like, tell me. It's not going to change. I'm still going to enjoy it. I mean, I knew I knew he was going to die, um, but I still love the journey and how they got there. Uh, for me, what I enjoyed about the movie, another thing was it was a movie within a movie. You know, we have our classic civil rights movies, the, the Selma, the, the, the Malcolm X's. Um, and I was concerned that this one, like, how how do you do that? Because the America has kind of gone away from having like a a black civil rights hero right now. We have more of like the Martins, the Trayvon Martins, the George Floyd's, and I'm like, will a movie about Fred Hampton be that interesting? Like, but I love how it just also showed the relationship with um, Dominic Fishback with Deborah Johnson. And I also loved how it showed what this guy was dealing with. The Fred O'Neill guy, that Bill, sorry, Bill, Bill O'Neill, what he was dealing with leading up to why he decided to do that. So for me, it was just a movie that had little layers that I wasn't expecting. And the biggest thing for me was just, again, the story I had in my mind, like the Black Panther, you think, oh, the day they got Fred Hampton, it's a massive shootout. So to you, Tony, just to kind of jump in there, is this movie about William O'Neill or is it about Chairman Fred Hampton, in your opinion? It's about the Judas. It's about, it's about William O'Neill. It's about Judas. It's, it's called, the movie is called Judas and the Black Messiah. So I really wasn't going in expecting to see the Black Messiah. Like I knew what he was. I knew he died. I was actually more interested in seeing um, Judas, how he became Judas, what he did. I could see your point in like none of them was really touched on. They didn't really 
go all the way into Judas. They didn't really go all the way into Fred Hampton. Um, but the movie took care of what I want. It took care of me pretty much. And again, like what I was saying was, I thought about like, oh, it was this shootout where he died. But no, like those guys came in there and they fired 90 shots to, at people who were sleeping. And the Black Panthers only fired, I think, was it one shot or how many shots? And I'm like, that's not a shootout. That's something else. So Massacre. for me, it was just, That's what it was it just again, it was again that whole thing of like, oh, wow, like something I did not know. And it's just, yeah. So no, the movie, the movie did it for me. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be like a Selma or a Malcolm X because Fred Hampton is not as popular as Dr. Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. Right. But, um, it worked. It worked for me showing, you know, like two sides of the equation. I love seeing that other perspective. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, you kind of touched on it, you know, um, and with being you asking the question, is it more about Fred Hampton or William O'Neill? You know, that was kind of my, my question to you guys. Like, I guess I'm going to, instead of asking, I'm just going to kind of give you my opinion on it. Because um, I wanted to know, like, is, is, the, is the character or the person, William O'Neill, is his situation even remotely as tragic as, as Fred Hampton's? And I would say most people would probably say no because Fred Hampton was gunned for and just the way he was slaughtered and drugged and everything. But I would just say the one thing that I don't think people think of, and I know even in the beginning, you know, when, when people say, oh, he's a snitch, he's a rat. I think one thing that I wish that a movie would have kind of given us a little bit of this, it definitely let us know that they were young. But Fred Hampton was, if I'm not mistaken, was 21. And William O'Neill was 19 years old. Yeah. So I think oh, that's a 17, like, 17 or 19. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. He was a teenager. Let's I, I, whichever one I think I, maybe a 17, 19, but it's one of those two. I'm, I thought it was 19, but maybe a 17. I'll, I'll take your word for it. If you're a teenager, can you imagine how terrified you are if cops are trying to throw you in there, manipulate you, scare you, but then take it from just being a basic beat cop? And decide that the entire United States government is basically telling you what you're going to do. How terrified you must be. And I'm just saying to people like, you know, I don't know how many of us have watched or read about the Central Park Five. But when you're a kid and you got some grown men in uniforms basically telling you, hey, I'm going to put your, throw your whole life away. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to do everything you can not to be put in that jail cell. And I know that people use the term snitch and rat, and maybe they think that that's appropriate. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not trying to judge anybody's way of looking <laughs> at him. But what I will say is pretend that you're that 19-year-old black boy on the south side of Chicago, 19 or 17. It is, you know, just think about that. Like you're 17 years old. It's not the Chicago Police Department. It's the freaking FBI. And don't, and don't think about this time that we live in today where kids are a lot more knowledgeable because of social media, the internet, things of that nature. Back in the day, you had radio and TV. Nothing is probably more intimidating or scary or powerful to, to you at that time than the FBI. And I'm just being honest. How many of you would do whatever you had to do to not be incarcerated or have literally, figuratively, big brother, the biggest of big brother, basically scaring the life out of you, telling you this is what you're going to do. So yeah. 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and say that I condone what he did, but I definitely understand how one could do what he did. And I, and I think well, yeah. he deserves some sympathy. No, I, I hear you that. I hear you that. I mean, we, we, we talk about it being a rat to snitch and we joke. At least I joke about it. But there's, there's a very heavy, for lack of a better way to describe it, burden that's placed on him, which I think if you, if you peel back from the movie and think about some of the systematic issues that have occurred in America that have kind of created this whole black white conversations and you know sometimes when you have these conversations around you know black lives matter or like reparations and some of these things that make it seem to be um make a lot of things to seem black white it's very representative of the fact that you're really talking about systematic issues marcus i think you touched on it i think tony touched on it as well that you know, you, you have a young person that has a whole system, you know, working against them. They knew going into looking at the Black Panther with everything that they had. And I think he touched about it. You know, William O'Neill touched about it in the movie that I think there was, there was, uh, uh, there was, there was a, a, a section in there where he said, these people have grenades or something like that, right? And it's like, oh, no, they're for the people, Right. They know all these things, but they decide that it's something that it's not and put everything they have from a resource standpoint to bring it down. And from there, they continue to paint you the picture that it's not. I mean, up to today, like we're both, we're all talking and we're all having this conversation and saying, oh man, I didn't know the Black Panther was this, the Black Panther was that. But you read everything that it's not. And that's the picture that's been painted. And that's the imagery that you have stamped on your brain. And it, to me, it's really a, it really epitomizes the role that he played, um, the role that the government played in creating some of these problems and creating some of this imagery of things that are really non-existent and almost whitewashing some of the issues that society has had over the years and, and covering from it, right? So I hear you there and I agree with you that it's, it's kind of facile to say he's a snitch a rat, but if you put his 17-year-old self and put all the pressure that was put on him, I mean, 17, you're there's, a kid. There's no choice. Like, that's the only thing yeah. he would do. And I I love the directors. Um, they, the movie opens with him pretending to be a, an FBI agent. So they were trying to make it clear to us that he gets the power of a badge. So now once someone shows up with a real badge, you have no choice. Like, like Marcus said, this is the whole government of the United States of America telling you they want you to do this. You have no choice. It's not even so much about the money. You just know they can get you and you're going to do what they want you to do. Um, uh, and speaking of the ages of the kids, I think that maybe that was one thing that was, didn't totally work for me in the movie. I mean, the actors, they had a phenomenal but I think it would have sat with us a lot more if we had actors closer to the ages of the actual people. Because I think Daniel is at least 10 years older than the actual Fred Hampton was when he died. And same thing with like Keith. So if there's, there's a certain youthfulness, there's a certain thing about like youthfulness where you just look at the kid and you, you feel for them, you empathize with them a little bit more. The guys that did, they did amazing. They did amazing, but 
I felt like it would have been nicer if we actually got younger kids to 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 play those roles. Just just have a baby to play that role. Because that look, yeah, that I can look see would that. have touched you more. And by the way, just just for clarification's sake, Tony, you are correct. He was seventeen, and that's a big difference in seventeen and nineteen too. Yeah, there's oh, a yeah. big difference. Yeah, because yeah. nineteen, you're not yeah. a teenager. You're not. You're you're going to be twenty soon. But seventeen, you can't. What's that? You can't. You can't vote. You can. What's it? There's a bunch of things you can do at seventeen. But, you know, I think they did a good job of what I think Shaka King did a really great job of is he didn't try to elevate anyone and he didn't try to demean anyone. I felt like he gave you this is what happened and this is how he let you make your own conclusion. And if anything, I think the way he wrote it was pretty sympathetic. Like, hey, don't just automatically assume this about this guy. This is what he went through. And again, I, I go back to the Central Park Five. Man, can you imagine that? I mean, this is, again, the police department is scary to a lot of us today, right? Ugh. Imagine if the FBI is there and you're in a room hearing from an FBI agent who's telling you J. Edgar Hoover, one of the most, I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell you this. This is my personal opinion. This movie felt like a, like a mobster movie to me. That's, what it, that's how it was <laughs> shot to me. It felt like a mafia film. And and it's really sad, but the U.S. government basically played the mafia. I mean, they just came in, shot up, tapped, you know, you know, created this public, uh, you know, opinion of who this group is. You know, I'm I'm gonna get a little personal here and go a little a little deeper if I can with something, and then you guys can take over. When I was in school, and I don't think I've told the audience this. When you hear my southern drawl, it's because I'm from the deep south. I'm from South Carolina. And I remember in history books, you never quite got to black history. Black history was always, if it was a 500 page book, it was page 480. And the school year (laughs) always ended before you got to it. And if you did get to talk about it, the only thing that you got to hear that was kind of, you know, something to revere was Martin Luther King, maybe Rosa Parks. And if you kind of ever asked a question about Malcolm X or the Black Panther Party came up, they were always shown on the opposite page of the KKK. Like they're equal. Oh, wow. And, and they are not equal. And the one thing that I really appreciate about this movie on a very, very deep and personal level is that this movie shows that the propaganda machine that has been posed on this country about this particular group of black people has been falsified since day one. And I want to oh, just yeah. be really clear when I say this. I went to a high school that and I'm not that old. It's not like I'm in my 70s and 80s. I went to a high school that every day I went to high school my freshman year and Confederate flags are there and there were people dressed up in in KKK garb. Now, this is when you no, are a freshman no in way. high school. No way. And yes. In high yes, school. Yes, I did. In high school. So, I'm going to let you know this is in the early 90s. So, this is not that long ago. Wow. I take great offense to when I see what's happening in Charlottesville with these white nationalist parties going around, for you to shape your lips to say that the Black Panther Party, which was trying to feed people and provide medical care. Now, did they carry weapons? Yes. But that's because their their communities was terrorized. They didn't go into white communities trying to kill anybody. They didn't go in there trying to rob anybody. They literally said, we're only going to have these arms to keep you from coming into our neighborhoods and terrorizing us. 
again, yeah. I, I end my saga with it. I take great offense to every textbook I had in grade school, junior high, high school that equated the Black Panther Party to the KKK because they couldn't be any more different. Yeah, it go, goes back to what Ben said about, you know, until what's it, lions have their own historians, tales of the hunt will always glorify yeah. the hunter. Like they, it's, there's been so much, I think, whitewashing of black history and making it comfortable. Again, like Martin Luther King, oh, better than Malcolm X. And they both played a great part in what we have today. But it's it, like, it's been better to, I don't want to say better, but the trend has been to go with whatever feels like the most peaceful. And yeah, calling the Black Panther like the, the same thing as the KKK. No, no, it's not the same thing. It's like people saying uh, Black Lives Matter is the same as the KKK. And I'm like, the KKK is a group of white people, only white people who are trying to put people down. Black Lives Matter is a group of multicultural people. I mean, it's just like when one group is only a certain type of people, you already know there's a problem with that group. <laughs> and to, to try to say they're the same thing doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it, this is something that I've I committed myself this year to doing a better job of, which is understanding. I actually read a good article about it. So I, you know, with everything that went on, you know, in the country and the divisiveness and the inability to understand the other side, I said, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm like, every time I get into situations where I'm, I'm struggling to understand where the other person is coming from, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I'm going to back off. I'm going to really listen. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to put my feelings out. In doing research on that, <laughs> I read a very interesting article that said, the only way to get somebody else to understand you is to tell them that they will not understand you if you say what you want to say or if you share your rationale behind something and, and force them to come off trying to understand you because in trying to understand you, what most people do is that as you talk, they argue with you in the head and then ultimately tell you where they started because they're trying to justify what's in their head and not really listening to you. So I was like, whoa, I'm going to test that and see what, how it works. But with that, Tony, I had a question for you. Would you play the role of the role that Kate Stanfield play as an actor? Oh yeah, yeah. I love I love that role. For me, that was that was the movie for me. That was the movie for me. That's that's a role any actor would love to play. Again, the Fred Hampton role, we just got to see one side of him. Charismatic, great leader. But William O'Neill was conflicted. That's that's drama. That's he definitely drama. showed and, more layers to him. He had more the, layers, he, I think. He he nailed it. He nailed that conflict. He nailed that conflict of what to do, ultimately still making a choice, but it's important to see that conflict. Yeah, I would love to play that role. So aren't you scared like something that. like that follows you around? Like you end up being Martin, for example. Martin can play Bad Boys 50, but to me, he's Martin forever, <laughs> <It's the> right? Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like like for me where I am right now. That's that's a choice I would love to have. Let me do something that I'm remembered by. That means I was good at it. You know, it's like it's like a basketball player. Like Vince Carter is remembered for his dunks, but yes, we remember him. You know, 
but I, you know, I don't want to be the guy who is like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because, oh, I'm going to get typecast. No, no. If you do it and you get typecast, it means you did it well. And then hopefully the goal now will be to try to do something else to make people see a different side of you and see a different version, that you, a different character that you can play. Um, oh, another reason to kind of sidetrack us a little bit. Another reason I love this movie is the fact that we have a British dude playing a real life American character, which there's been a lot of talk about that uh, in the media. Uh, 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 <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, sorry. What, what did I do? Somebody sound the alarm. The alarm. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right now. Stop right now. I'm going to so stop you know while I'm ahead. Dude, that's, uh, that is a loaded, super loaded. So why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Because typically on the, on the podcast, we do a score. Um, but I think, I think what we could do, we could have that conversation for another hour, right? Why don't we do the score and then push that and have a whole nother conversation about that? Maybe we just do a bonus episode around that one. How yeah, about that? Being, we didn't talk about this ad nauseum for years, and I've been like clenching my teeth to have that very discussion. So that'll come up next. So we're going to do our score. This is how it works, Tony. You give us what you would rate this film um, out of five. So five being the best, like being a perfect movie, one being not so much. So out of a score of one to five, how would you score Judas and the Black Messiah? Uh, one to five, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, gets a four. Okay, gets okay, a four for me. Right. Um, it's not it's not the perfect movie. Um, the kids, the characters, a little bit older. A lot of things were great with the movie, but it's not it's not like the perfect movie gives you gives you gives you the chills. It stays with you. It's quotable. There's so many things. None of that really. None, it doesn't stay with me. But I loved the movie for, I, had, I sort of had low expectations. I don't want to say low expectations, but again, like I said, it's problematic doing one of these black civil rights in this times right now, because we've kind of gone away from the heroes to the George Floyds and the Trevor Martins, but it still captured, the movie still captured that feeling of what's happening today in the in, in, in present United States of America. So... Um, but yeah, performances were great. Music was great. Directing was great. Um, looked beautiful. And it hit me, had the gut little, every time a movie does the little uh, stuff at the end where they tell you what's happening to the real life people, that always just oh, yeah. gets me. Yeah, yeah it, got, it got me. So it stayed with me a bit. So I give it a four, four out of five. Okay. All right. Okay. Then you- yeah, I can give you. So to me, it's a four as well, and I'll tell you why. I know, Mark, because I've not been given a lot of my... <laughs> I've not been given I my... Thought, I, I thought you didn't like the movie, Ben. How is it a four? Well, I let me explain. We I think we let sold me, it. No, no, not, not that, not that. <laughs> I'm so joking, to, I'm joking. <laughs> so the reason I don't... I can't say I don't like the movie. I think what the movie did is, you know, it brought up my trauma, and it didn't send a shrink to help me out, right? So that's really what the movie did to me, like... <laughs> So I can't blame the movie for having trauma and for bringing all of those things. But because it did, when a movie is able to leave you with something and not leave you, like when you're not indifferent when you're done watching a movie and then you actually ask questions after watching the movie, like what happened here? What if this happened? What did that happen? Right? Because what the movie did to me was 
It didn't do everything, but he told bits of the story. It accomplished, it accomplished developing the characters, but not quite melding them together to make the story full for you. So it left me wanting more. It left me asking questions about different characters and different scenarios and wanting to go read, you know, wanting to do some research myself and, you know, go look at, you know, how old, you know, the, the characters were at the time of the movie and, you know, all those things, right? So it accomplished something to me that, you know, oftentimes movies don't. Like when, when the movie's done and my popcorn is done, I'm like, all right, great. We're out of here, yeah. right? So that so that's why I give it a four. Nice. Okay. This is going to be the first time ever that we're going to have a clean sweep. I, I give it a four too. Oh, nice. Um, oh, damn. I, I did, yeah, I really. That's about you know. And I had actually written my score down before we got on here because I was going to see. I was. I didn't want to be swayed. I was like, I'm gonna be very strong in my pick, but I, I thought the acting was great <laughs> because sometimes you know I got to be honest, and I hope when people listen to this this podcast that we give you something else to think about. And you're like, you know what? Maybe that did move me in a way I didn't know. And so I, I, I hope it does do that. But this time I'm, I'm pretty firm in my four because I thought the acting was phenomenal. I really liked the pace of the film. Um, but Tony, you hit the nail right on the head. I, I think it would have been a little bit more impactful if the actors could have been younger. I do get that you need household names to sometime get a movie like this made. So I understand that the two leads were phenomenal. So I don't. Yeah, no, phenomenal. Yeah, 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 same here. Like I, I think they played the roles. I actually think they should be equally nominated, and I don't think there should have been a supporting. I think they they both led this film, but I'm sure they didn't want to have to compete against each other. But the acting was great. The pace, the direction, um, the ancillary characters was so well acted and portrayed. I would have liked to have maybe maybe they could have did a time lapse where they showed had some younger actors play them when they were younger. Um, maybe that could have helped because I just feel like there's a visceral uh, experience when you see someone taking advantage of children, and I think that's just there's this. I, I don't if, if you're half a human, there's something protective in you that says, "How can yeah. you do that to a child?" So when I'm looking at a thirty-something-year-old man who's trying to look younger. I still know that you're a grown man. So it's like, I think psychologically, you don't get that same resonance. And lastly, you know, when the thing that it kind of showed at the end, it showed that William O'Neill passed away and at what age, and they showed that that interview that he did, uh, which is his last interview. What I had to find out online, and I wish the film would have mentioned that, and I'm sure they didn't want to be, you know, have gory porn and just, you know, just kind of exploit the story. When he got done with that interview, I don't know if you guys looked that up. Killed himself. He, he huh? basically basically killed himself right after yeah. that interview. He got up and went across the street and got hit by a car. He ran in front of a truck. Like, oh, to damn. know that that has stayed with you yeah. since you were 17 at what was he, uh, 54 or 51 or something like that, that tells you how long that has been tormenting him. To me, that's so important to me. Um, they didn't need to show it, but I would have liked for them when they gave the little the words at the end, kind of telling you where they are. I would have liked to have seen that he basically committed suicide right after that interview, because I think it would have left an even stronger impact with me from this movie to notice something let that stay with you that long. You know, that's heavy, you know. So I give it a four. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I think it's a really great film. Um, I have a saying, there's certain movies that I really want to see that's powerful, that's powerful and impactful, 
but I'd rather watch them in the daytime because I don't want that in my psyche when I go to bed at night. This is one of those <laughs> films for me. It's one of those films because like Ben says, so many of our historical movies creates or brings up a trauma in you. There's so much black trauma. There's so much unnecessary killing of black people, specifically black men, that to have to play that role and to play a quote unquote snitch or a rat or whatever, that's heavy. You know, and I didn't play it and I still felt it. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I don't want to get on my soapbox, but I give it a four. I highly recommend this film. And um, yeah. So Ben, you want to like uh, take us out? Yeah, absolutely. So Tony's going to stay with us. We're going to have a conversation. Um, what he inserted. It's This is going to be very lively. Um, it's a bonus episode. It might show up as episode six, but please, that one is not going to have a score, but listen to it. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for sharing your time. Thanks for listening. Check out episode six. We're going to get into this whole um African-American, non-African-Americans playing African-American roles. There's a lot that's on media about that. So we're going to get into that. So until next time, thanks for listening.